I need an old podcaster and a little less old podcaster. The power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you! Funny books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. Well, Paul, we are recording today. We are we are what two days away from Halloween. Uh, you know your very special time. The, your very special Halloween time. It is. And 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 Paul, you know I, I I know you haven't had an opportunity to watch any Stranger Things yet, but I, I've watched the first two episodes, <laughs> and there is a conversation that takes place in Stranger Things episode two. That I would like to get your feedback on. Oh, okay. Uh, because because while you are all of you know uh, just a, just a tiny tiny wasted man now, th- there is at the core of you, Paul, the very essence of you, a fat man. And uh, I think that's fair. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think we all know, Paul, that you you are only running so that you can consume all the food and beer that you want without being 300 pounds. That is right. 100% accurate. <laughs> so I have to ask, Paul. Yes. Top three. Top three. I want to know. Top three candy bars. Oh, wow. Top okay. Um, actually, no, this isn't difficult for me. Um, uh-huh. I would say in, in no particular order, because uh-huh. that would be harder. Um, uh-huh. I would say whatchamacallit. Oh yeah, that's you know that's it's sort of a uh, a uh, a fringe choice, but okay, I, I I respect that. There's a lot of stuff going on yeah. in the Whatchamacallit bar. Yeah, Snickers. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Snickers is 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 one is in my top three. And um, take five. Take five. That's that pretzely. Uh, yes, it's got pretzels and peanuts and caramel yeah. and chocolate and something else. It's five ingredients. So that that is a good candy bar. It's so good, I, and you'll notice. The the um, the the trend amongst all of them is some type of peanut or crunch or something. Um, I, I, I like that. I, I get it. I get it. Okay. Right. Well, how about so, you? Well, my top three, uh, in also no particular order, is the Hershey's with almonds. Oh, I love that. Cut. In fact, you know, uh, I like all of them. I like all of the Hershey's with almonds. You know, the various sizes, like the, you know, the standard one that you buy at the at the convenience store, the the little nugget ones that they sell. Uh, I mean, I, I like all of it. It just I, I loves me that Hershey's with almonds. There's something about about the the milk chocolate and the almond that just makes it wonderful. I'm also a huge fan of the uh, almond joy. Loves me some almond joy. Okay, okay. And and I and and rounding it out is the Snickers bar. I, I you know I'm 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 a big fan of all three of those things. And coming in a close fourth is a Heath bar. I like the uh, the Heath with the toffee. I, you know mm. I don't know that I've ever had a Heath bar. Oh, they're so good. Well, have you ever had a score bar, an SKOR bar? No. Okay. See, I, I like I love the toffee, and you put that thing in the in the freezer, and then it's just brittle. Oh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff, Paul. The Sakara bar a, yeah. is it like Planet and, Hulk, the Planet Hulk candy bar? <laughs> it's exactly what it is. And I'm just putting all my neighbors out on notice. When I come trick or treating this week, you need to have those three candy bars available to me. Uh, do you guys yeah. have a um, a stipulation on the age of which you can trick or treat in your area, or is it just like understood, like a, a city ordinance or something? Yeah. Oh, we do. 
Really? Yeah. What 12. is this? What? Seriously, if you are over the age of twelve, you you cannot go trick or treating. Yeah. I mean, that's not just like a like a. I mean, that's a seriously a law where you live. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, I remember because when I turned twelve, I was a, a pretty tall twelve, and it was pretty. <laughs> it was traumatizing because people would refuse to give me candy. Wow. Yes, I well, I say people, but there was one guy. He's like, "Aren't you a little old to be trick or treating?" I'm like, "No, I'm just tall." <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, and, and from my perspective, and I know we've talked about this in years past, I don't care how old the kid is, as long as they're in a costume. If you come here, you know, dressed as surly teenager, you're going to get a peep because I do save old Easter candy to give out at Halloween to the kids that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> and happy Halloween. Here's your peep. You're going to get an unwrapped peep just thrown in your bag, all sticky and icky. <laughs> That's, that's right. It's going. To, it's going to adhere to your good candy. So, yeah. But anyway, Halloween's coming. I'm excited. I'm excited. I me love too, Halloween. Me too. Me too. Two days. Two days. Ah 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 ah. ah. So, Paul, you've <laughs> been all over the place over the last six or eight weeks for for your your Halloween uh, celebrations. Are you are you looking forward to it being over so that you can rest, or are you going to be disappointed when it's all over? Um. You know, it's been it, it, it September and October is always a very active time for me. Um, I, I am a little bit of both, right? Uh, I, I'm a little sad that I didn't get to everything I wanted to get to, uh, that I didn't watch as many horror movies as I had intended, uh, that the season will be over. But that being said, I do enjoy the the Thanksgiving and Christmas seasons um, almost as much, not quite as much. So we're moving into a, a very you know happy time of the year, regardless. Of course, I'm I'm sorry to see Halloween go, though I did. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know if I've talked about it before on the podcast, but we do themed Halloween trees, right? And right. That, um, every year we change the theme. It's not necessarily, you know, we don't just throw up every ornament we have type thing. And so uh, this year, I think I've decided, I think that I have decided that um, this year's Halloween or this week, this year's Christmas tree um, is going to be haunted mansion themed, like Disney's haunted oh, mansion. Nice. So purples and now, greens, you know. Things now, does like that, that mean that you? Does that mean you have to go out and buy a bunch of new ornaments? Uh, I think you know. I, I think um, I think I have things that can work within the context of it. Um, mm-hmm. And and ultimately, yes, I do end up buying a couple more ornaments to like a couple of uh, just. Um, showcase or featured ornaments that are specific to the theme that I can generally get like on Disney shopping online or whatever, um, or eBay relatively inexpensive. Not, you know, I don't break the bank or anything, um, right. and supplement with things that are within the theme bats, you know, that kind gotcha. of thing. Okay. That sounds cool. That so sounds that's, cool. that's what, that's what I'm thinking. Well, you know, uh, you know, along the lines of you haven't seen enough ho- uh, horror movies this season. Uh, I watched one this week. That uh, I wanted to see when it was at the theater and just never got around to it. It's that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal movie, Life. Oh yeah, have you seen it? I have. Um, I I spent some time being quite annoyed by this movie. Uh, <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> well, I, you know there there were things I enjoyed about the movie. I mean, I loved the the design of the alien, you know. But nobody, there, you've got this uh, this international space station full of scientists. And no one is making the observation that I think is pretty clear that the alien is responding to hostile input and that the the alien's initial contact with uh, with, with the humans is not hostile. 
it only turns hostile when it is provided provoking stimulation, like shocking it and, you know, uh, fighting against it. You know, uh, there's a scene, you know, where the where the uh, scientist is, you know, zapping it with an electronic probe. And that's the first time it turns angry. Right. And then there's the scene where Ryan Reynolds burns it. It turns hostile. It's not it, it while it was hostile with the guy who was directly shocking it. Its first touch on Ryan Reynolds was not uh, angry, but I mean, it was a, it was a little threatening, but it wasn't crushing Ryan Reynolds or choking Ryan Reynolds out as it does later. It's only when Ryan, Ryan Reynolds tries to burn it to death that it decides, OK, I got to kill Ryan Reynolds. And at that point, it, the alien seems to make the decision. People are bad. I don't think that the alien's actually a villain in this film. I think it's all the humans who are the villain in the film. The thing that disturbed me about it is that at no point in time does any character in the movie demonstrate that understanding. I felt like all the all the uh, people in the movie die spoilers, <laughs> ignorant. It, you know, uh, they they all they all die not having understood the whole point of the film. Yeah. The whole point of the film is that you, you probably shouldn't go poking aliens. You know, I, I struggle with films like Life and like um, Prometheus and things like that because it requires you to believe that these people are smart enough to pilot a ship into space and, you know, do science type talk, but not right. smart enough to not act completely stupid, <laughs> you know, in regards to alien life. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and, you know, you've got the, the person in the movie Life who is responsible for all of the firewall protocols, and she violates every single one. Yeah. You know, like, the minute that the creature escapes, you know, out of the uh, the little box, right, the minute that happens, they should have incinerated the entire room, right? I mean, you know, so, sorry that our scientist is still in there. The entire room should should have been incinerated yep and then opened up to space but no there's oh no we got to go in there so let's sacrifice another guy so ryan reynolds goes in and then you know ryan reynolds dies and then the creature gets out and oh by the way you know your your safeguards are set up where you have to manually close off each and every air vent in there and there's like 12 air vents that's insane yeah I think you can write a good, you know, alien science fiction type movie. I don't think you have to write your people to be stupid. And that's that's the thing that just really annoyed me. And I'd like to point out there was a whole nother set of of uh, those microbes. This is only one of the microbes that they grew. Yeah. You know, and I mean, so there's room for a life, too. I don't think you'll have one. But, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't, you know, here's the thing. I don't think, I think it did well enough in the theater, but uh -huh. I don't know that it's going to uh, warrant a sequel. And I will tell you, for for its for all its fantastic cast, um, it's a rather mediocre film. It is. It is a rather mediocre film that they spent a ton, ton of money on. You know, I, and like I said, I liked the design of the alien. I thought the alien was interesting. Yeah. You know, I like that it's amorphousness and I like that you always could see it, that there wasn't one. It wasn't one of those, you know, uh, science fiction movies where all of the CGI stuff happens in the dark. So you don't have any sense of what, what the hell you're actually seeing. Yeah. I appreciated that I could see everything. Um, anyway, I, I you know, it, it was time well spent. I didn't hate the movie, but there are certainly things that frustrated the hell out of me. Well, you know, since you mentioned sequels, um, you know, it, let, let's talk about <clears throat> kind of a sequel, which is that Exorcist Season 2, or Chapter 2, I should say, I think is um, how they're actually advertising it, or the next chapter. 
Exorcist the Next Chapter. Um, you know, season two of the Exorcist TV show. Um, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that we have loved on the Exorcist television show. Um, the first season, uh, I think we, we both adored quite a bit. Um, we felt it stuck the landing. Um, there were so many twists and turns. Uh, if you haven't watched it, um, definitely go out and watch it. Uh, you may want to skip the next five to ten minutes of the podcast because we'll probably go into spoilerish territory on season two. Um, now, season two is out. Um, we are, I believe, four episodes in. Something like that. Uh, that sounds that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and we are. It's on a break for the World Series. You know, I think there's like a two week break or whatever. Um, yeah. You know. Back after baseball. Yeah. Uh, so I, we felt now would be a good time to chat about it and um, backdoor pilot uh, an exorcist uh, with <laughs> with Aaron and Polly. Um, should you guys be interested in us talking about that show further uh, in a separate, um, you know, a separate show? So Exorcist season two started. Like I said, about four or five weeks ago, um, you know, continues the adventures of the two priests at from the end of uh, Extra Season 1 uh, who performed the exorcism. Um, now they are uh, essentially fugitives on the run because, fugitives, one, the law fugitives doesn't believe from them. The church. Fugitives yeah, from the fugitives, church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and we, we start off uh, in the first episode of not only are they fugitives from the church, but like you were saying, Paul, fugitives from the law because the local sheriff uh, – is chasing them, chasing them because they have abducted his demon possessed wife that he doesn't believe is demon possessed. He just thinks it's a little postpartum depression yeah. because, uh, she, she lost her child and is having a hard time, uh, dealing not just with the loss of the child, but also the, uh, postpartum depression involved in that. And, uh, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, you, you don't expect to see your, uh, your, your, your uh, exorcists taking such a physical beating from local law enforcement, but yeah, they do. And it, 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 you know, this is kind of a backwoods town. I, I forget which town they're in, but uh, you know, they have them, you know, at one point they have them, uh, you know, handcuffed to a fence post and it's like, anything happens to that little girl, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, huh, huh. That's maybe a town you don't want to you don't want to visit because uh, law enforcement's a little dodgy. <laughs> yeah, just 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 a teeny bit. Yeah, um, you know, they're also you know roll. So the season starts very much on, on an action paced beat or action packed beat with you know the priest like trying to perform an exorcism in the back of a pickup truck while being yep. shot at uh, by the by the cop. So yeah, it's definitely an in media res start to the season. Um, you know, the, the the they're having to, you know, drive through the cornfields and, and cow pastures to get away from uh, from uh, boss hog. Yeah, essentially. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we, we, we pick up that thread. There's also the ongoing conspiracy theory within the Vatican um, where the, the Vatican has basically been infiltrated by demons. Right. Um, and so it, it continues that that storyline as well. So, Aaron, um you know, now that we're four episodes in, it, it, it is very easy for a, a television show, uh, a show that um, is much loved in its first season, uh, to have a sophomore slump in its second season. Uh, I look at shows like The Flash or, um, you know, any number of other shows that basically I dropped in season two, uh, 24. <laughs> right. um, Supergirl. Supergirl. <laughs> uh, so what have you thought of the extra season two so far? I've loved it. It is it is it's a slow burn. Um you know, you, while we while we start 
very, like I said, in media res with the exorcism of the, 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 uh, mother, right. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, uh, story that's going to propel us through the season, uh, which we really haven't seen fully revealed yet. We just know some shit's going on is really focusing around, uh, Oh gosh, Paul, he played the, who's the guy he played Sulu in uh, the 2009 Star Trek. John Cho. I knew there was a Cho in there. Harold. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Harold. Um, John Cho plays a, a foster parent who runs a house for foster kids on an island in Maine. Um, is it Maine, Paul? No, it's uh, Oregon. I'm, Oregon. Washington. Thank I'm you. sorry. I think it's either yes. Oregon or Washington. It's. I it's, think you're right. I think it's Washington. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, West Coast, not East Coast. Um he uh, he's he's out on this island. And, and so, you know, all kinds of, you know, scary Cthulhu kinds of stuff can happen out there on your island, um, even though it's, uh, you know, it's it's West Coast, not our typical East Coast uh, Cthulhu activity. But uh, uh, he, the you know, there is re- all manner of weird stuff happening on the island with, you know, birds pelting the house. I mean, like tons of blackbirds just you know, a swarm of them, you know, a la Alfred Hitchcock, just, you know, pelting themselves against the house. There are uh, birth deformities happening in livestock. There was a lamb born and they had to put it down because it was so horribly malformed. What is that? It's just a birth defect. No, it's something terrible. Um, you know, all kinds of weird stuff happening. Plus, you know, he's got this, this great cast of kids. I like all the kids, Paul. I, and usually I can't stand child actors. I like all the kids in the foster home. I like the uh, the the uh, young woman. She's you know seventeen in the show, and she's about to age out from foster care. Her name is God. It starts with a V. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't recall. It's it. not virtue. It's not vitality. It's something like that. Um, anyway, she she's great. I I, I she, number one, she's cute as, as all get out. But I just I, I like her character a great deal. Uh, there's a kid uh, who is blind. There's a kid who is autistic, uh, and then there's another kid who you know he doesn't seem to have an issue except that he's very very religious, uh, <laughs> and he is figure he is figuring out that there is something really bad out in the woods. Don't go out in those woods. Um, very. You know, and he's. He, is the Barity, thank yes. you. I knew that it was a V name. I knew that. Uh, but uh, you know, you had that weird thing where the blind kid disappears from the house one evening and is out standing on the on the very rickety, dry rotted boards over the old well, you know, and 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 counting to ten. Now, earlier in the show, you had found out that it's part of a a a rite of passage for each of these kids entering the foster home to stand out on these dry boards over the old well and count to 10 and then hop off. Well, he gets out there himself all blind and whatnot, and he does it, but he keeps counting over. So you can cast to 10, cast to 10 again and again and again. And he's, you know, caught right as he's falling into the well, right as the boards give out under him. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Sulu pulls him free. (laughs) Well, he explains, well, Verity, walked me out there. You know, I, I wasn't out there alone. Verity walked me out there. She was with me the whole time. Well, Verity wasn't with him. Verity was with someone else at that time. We know, we know that as the viewer that Verity was with someone else. So all kinds of weird stuff going on at the, at the foster home. And I, I, I really like those kids except maybe for the one really creepy little girl that wears a pillowcase over her head. She creeps me out, Paul. 
Well, there's a reason she's so creepy, Aaron. Yeah, Grace creeps me right out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why, why, does she, why does she creep us out, Paul? Why is there a reason? Well, because she's not. Well, I shouldn't say she's not real. She's real. Demonic. <laughs> so, you know, um, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's something that was... The, the television show has done, to a certain extent, a better job illustrating than the, the, t- than the movie did, which is that um, inside the mind of the possessed or um, in the, what's the word they use um, in like integrated individual, um, you know, the, 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 the person that is being actively possessed, um, they, they, the demon manifests themselves in, a, in kind of a, a best friend, a, an imaginary friend fashion. Yeah, it's the. It's the seduction process during the initial possession. Integrated is a different term in the show, Paul. Integrated yeah. is where they fully, they have fully pushed out the human soul, and it's all demon. There's no Fair. exercising yeah. that person. There's no exercising that demon at that point. Makes sense. Yeah. And so during although, the cons- oh, go ahead. Although they did accomplish that at the end of season one, because supposedly Pazuzu was fully integrated with uh, Regan mm-hmm. at the end of season one. Well, and, and as uh, now, we learn, but the the priests who have successfully exercised an integrated individual basically kicked a hornet's nest when they did that. Exactly, they declared which war. Which is why, which is which is why everybody's out for our 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 two exorcist priests. But uh, the reason Grace is so creepy is because she is the the demonic presence or the manifestation of the demonic presence inside. Uh, Andrew Kim, I think is his name. Uh, I mean, in the show, uh, you know, in, in real life, it's John Cho. Um, but the 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 careholder um, of these children is uh, is in in the in the act of being possessed, and it manifests itself as uh, the daughter that he never had with his now dead wife. Um, and so, and and you know, it it is very skillfully presented in that this kid is agoraphobic, so never goes outside, doesn't interact with the other kids. Um, that kind of thing, uh, un- but it is revealed at the end of the uh, final of the episode prior to hiatus that uh, well, there is no other kid, there is no Grace. Um, right. You know, the, the the room where he where he believes Grace to be sleeping is not you know is is his art room, right? And I gotta tell you, blew my mind, Paul. I, I'm surprised I didn't see it coming, honestly. Yeah, same here, same here. I mean, it should have caught me. That nobody has ever interacted with Grace in the show. And they did it so beautifully that it never occurred to me. I mean, it never occurred to me. Yeah, it's same here. And it should have. It genuinely should have. And, you know, if you watch the episodes in retrospect, I'm sure it'll become more obvious. But, Uh you know, I'm the guy who figured out the sixth sense really early into it. Um, yeah, and, and this this was one that if for some reason it didn't occur to me because all those kids have issues. So an agoraphobic, agoraphobic kid who doesn't interact with the other kids doesn't really seem like that far right. out of hand. Um, right. But you know, um, you know, things started getting a little weird in episode four. Um, but on top of that, you had so much going on in this season. You had um, you know the priests in, in kind of you know an exorcism in the middle of um, a. a a baby, what do you call it when the baby, um, a nursery inside of a hospital? Um, yeah. Just a super intense sequence. Yeah. And the, and the, the demon possessed woman is putting all of the kids in the NICU at risk. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's like, mm, I could just crack this one's neck right now. You know? Yeah. And I mean, just murdering pil- people willy nilly. I mean, how do, how do you write that up in your police report? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that's not on them. Well, peace and, out, guys. And, 
And so there's the, the, the B story that's running through this season as well. Um, I believe he's a cardinal. Uh, yes. The, the uh, fellow who at the end of season one we thought was dead because they, you know, put the uh, the plastic bag over his head when when he was, you know, riding out of town. Um, you know, you thought that the that the that the big bad uh, uh, folks in the Vatican had had assassinated him, and I'm still a little weird about that. I mean, I was like, I, it seems like he should be dead, but I, you know, I think that I think they ended season one with a beat that if we don't come back, this is a good wrap yeah. for, for for a story, right? I mean, it, it could be all contained. And if you'll remember, Paul, when they were advertising it in season one, they didn't re, they, they referred to it as something like a maxi series or a mini. They didn't call it a mini series. They called it something else like a maxi series or something like that. So you, you had this big question, is this going to be one and done? Yeah. And so they came back and, you know, they bring back this, this actor and I really like him. I can't remember the, the, the guy's name. But uh, he's he is the source of information for our two exorcists in the field. And, you know, he he has burned his bridges at the Vatican and he's had to get the hell out of town because the one person who is advocating on his behalf has been uh, the, we see him going into a room with the bad guys. And, you know, it didn't look like good things were about to happen. Um, so he has hooked up with a demon hunter. Because I'm not sure she actually qualifies as an exorcist, right? No. But if I recall correctly, she is the same actress who played the the special operative in Lone Gunman. Um, oh, that's where I recognize her from. Uh, also a Fox show um, from years ago. But uh, I like her an awful lot. She she uh, she kills off a number of the integrated. Uh, demons that are operating in the Vatican, and she kills them off by, you know, masquerading as somebody running the uh, the dinner party that they're all having. They're all having their their secret cabal meeting, talking about all the the wonderfully terrible things they're going to do around the world. And she's, you know, crunching up uh, uh, the Eucharistic host, you know, the the the, the mass wafer into their dessert. And so as they're all eating their dessert, they're eating, you know, the body of Christ, and uh, that of course incinerates them all. I do have a problem with that, Paul, in that if it's that easy to kill off an integrated uh, demon, why wouldn't you just do sure. that everywhere? Yeah. Yeah. You know, why wouldn't you just do that everywhere? Not I don't get it. You know, why, why wouldn't you, you? I don't know if you remember these or not, Paul, but there used to be these disc guns and they sold them off as Star Trek phasers back when I was a boy. You know, and they just shoot discs. You could put those, you know, host wafers in those guns and shoot them with with the host. You could shoot them with, you know, communion wafers. Fair. Be a projectile. Yeah, a projectile body of Christ weapon. Yeah, just throw We're it shooting out. Jesus at you. Zap, zap, zap. <laughs> <laughs> but she's got, you know, an old exorcist locked up in the basement who, you know, the problem with, with doing these exorcisms, you know, the show uh, outlines is that you open yourself up to the demon. And, you know, there, there are those who believe that the demons take possession so that they can affect the good people around them or the good people who come come to help. And so, you know, you have these exorcists who are, you know, men of the faith who, you know, are trying – or people of the faith, I should say, because we do have a nun exorcist in this in this show um, – who, you know, they, they are exposed to this tremendous evil and, you know, looking into the pit, sometimes the pit looks back at you. Well, you know, we find that there this, you know, noted 
celebrated, uh, you know, lady exorcist is chained up in the basement because she is now a fully integrated demon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they're, they're, they're keeping this demon for interrogation purposes. They can get information from it. Uh, I love how rich the story is. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because it's, there are similar with the, when it comes to television shows, especially supernatural television shows, it's all been done. You know the the stories that you see on Supernatural uh, are the same stories. You know, sim- just told differently than you saw on Buffy or Angel. You know, there's only so many different animals, beasts, demons, creatures, monsters that you can write stories about. Um, and uh, but I, I find that this show, in the way it is told, even though there are similarities to some of the elements that you see on some of these other shows, especially a show like Supernatural, the way in which it's told here, even though you technically have like a demon hunter. Um, you know, um, and, and this, this battle with the demons and things like that, the way it's told and it's not sensationalized as, you know, it's not, it's not comic booky, um, right. you know, it, it's told in a very mature, uh, substance and that's not to downplay supernatural cause I enjoy supernatural as well, but I really love the way they tell the story in the exorcist. Yeah, no, it, it, it. It, it is some phenomenal storytelling, and I love the callback to season one that we get in the in the uh, most recent episode because, you know, the, the demon that's tied up in the basement, you know, says, you know, she sends her regards, you know, when yeah. she's attacking the Cardinal, and she's referring to Pazuzu or Regan uh, that we, you know, uh, supposedly exercised at the end of season one. Supposedly. Yeah, no, I feel like she's coming back at some point. I don't think that's a done deal. No, I don't think so. I, I think we're going to see Gina Davis in all of her demonic glory <laughs> again. Yeah, sometime uh, before the end of the season. I, I, you know, my hope is that um, the show's writers, and they feel like, you know, I would say if season, I think they planned it in season one, so hopefully they do the same in season two. They plan season one that if they get renewed, great. If they don't, we got a great story. Yeah. Now that season two is here, I am hopeful that they do the same. If we get a season three, great. If not, season two can end in such a way as to feel fulfilling without ending on a cliffhanger that's going to piss us off if the show doesn't get renewed. Yeah. So it's, it is it is an expertly written and directed and acted show. Highly recommend watching The Exorcist. And if you want us to talk about it more, uh, you know, do weekly um, you know recap shows and discussion shows on it, let us know. Um, you know, yeah. you know. Uh, send us an email at ideologyofmadness at gmail Comment on any of our social media feeds, or call the Ideology of Madness hotline nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three. That number once again is nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll earn eternal salvation or triple your money back, or an Ideology of Madness surprise, highly valued. <laughs> highly valued. <laughs> All right, Paul. Well, you know, uh, that was our special exorcist conversation, a uh, Halloween appropriate exorcist conversation. Mm-hmm. But Paul, you know, on the brighter side of things, there's news this week about casting for Shazam. Yeah. So, you know, the Shazam movie is still coming down the pike. Um, I believe it's scheduled for 2019, 2020. Um, it's still a ways out, but they have cast Shazam himself uh and the actor that has been cast is none other than zachary levi from chuck and also fandrel from the thor movies and i gotta say would not have been my first choice he would not have been mine but i gotta say i i feel it's a great choice yeah he certainly has the uh charisma for the character Mm -hmm. and you know they've got some time so maybe they can put some meat on his bones 
Yeah, yeah, oh, he yeah. doesn't se- he doesn't seem to be the body type to me, right? No, but then uh, again, you know, a lot of people felt the same about Gal Gadot. Um, I I think yeah. while Zachary Levi is not going to be, um, he's not going to necessarily look like he can stand next to the Rock and right. take down the Rock uh, playing Black Adam. Um, Black Adam. Black Adam. Um, I I do feel like uh, Zachary Levi, you know, with with the right training and things like that. Uh, I th- I think he'll be fine, and I, and I should correct myself. It looks like um, that they're they're hoping for 2018, maybe 2019 um, on on Shazam. So I think this is you know DC's trying to um, keep the momentum going because as far as I know, they aren't filming anything right now. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and then you know Aquaman is the next film on their release slate. Uh, so they, they probably need to get something started as soon as possible. So they have, uh, you know, they continue their, their series of releases. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 when I saw it, I was like, huh, I don't know what I think about that. But the, but the more I think about it, I, I he certainly is the right personality for the role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just from what I've seen I, and I, I haven't seen a lot of Chuck, I've seen a couple of episodes and, uh, I think he's got the charming, uh, aspect to it. And, you know, of course I think the key to playing Shazam is being able to be a child in a man's body, right? Um, and I think that uh, I think that he has the ability to to play that off in a very genuine fashion. So I, I think I'm happy with this ca- this casting. It would not have been, it would not have seemed organic to me. It certainly wouldn't be something that jump out at me. But I think they made a good choice. I agree. Yeah, yeah. But you know, Paul, next week, next week, Paul, next week, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok. Yes, and hey, uh, the um, the soundtrack came out by Mark Mothersbaugh. How do yeah. I pronounce that? Mother, Mark Mothersbaugh. Mark Mothersbaugh. Yeah, Mark, Mark, Mark Mothersbaugh. And and you bought it before I did, but I picked it up Friday. And uh, wow, that's a damn good soundtrack. I it mean, is highly... so good. It it is probably yeah. my favorite Marvel soundtrack. Now that being said, I did not listen to the Spider Man Homecoming. I'm not. Who who did that? Is it Jerry Goldsmith? Like. No, it's Michael Giacchino. Michael Giacchino. Uh, and I I'm like the, mixed on Michael Giacchino. Well, same here. I, you know, he, I, I find him to be competent, but I don't find him to be particularly noteworthy. I don't find him to be particularly unique. Um, I think that uh, he has, like, he's done the Star Trek movie soundtracks, all three of the J.J. Uh, Abrams films, and he has failed to create what I think is a, a very notable anthem. Nothing that supersedes what uh, Jerry Goldsmith or James Horner have done in the Star Trek franchises. He's made some nice music, but it all seems very derivative from the original Star Trek work. Um, I will tell you that I thought Michael Giacchino did a masterful job on Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I bought that soundtrack immediately following uh, seeing the movie last week. And uh, I absolutely love that soundtrack. But I think you're right, Paul. I think that when you stack up the the body of work created around original motion picture soundtracks for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think Mark Mothersbaugh, Thor Ragnarok uh, uh, album stands head and shoulders above the rest. Um, there is, there are memorable pieces of music there. There are things that you're that you're going to go, oh yeah, that's Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe mu- uh, music, other than like uh, the Avengers theme, uh, are really quite forgettable. They just seem like they are, you know, I, house music. I, you I, know? They really, I, I will say that's one thing that Marvel has, besides villains, um, yeah. Marvel movies have not excelled at, which is uh, their scores. I, yeah. I, I can't think of a single one that I, I 
and and this is going back prior to the MCU because I wasn't a big fan of the uh, Danny Elfman Spider-Man scores either. Um, but I, I am very excited about um, Thor Ragnarok, and I thought the yeah. uh, the score is uh, is really really well done. Has some super great pieces to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know they they started now releasing Danny Elfman score from the upcoming Justice League film, and I've liked what I've heard there too. Oh, I haven't heard any of that. Where did you hear it? Um, they, I think a couple of tracks have been released online, um, huh. you know, preview tracks. Yeah. Uh, so definitely uh, good stuff. I mean, it's 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 not it's it is not the Junkie XL Hans Zimmer score. It's it's, it's got a different <laughs> feel to it. Right. So we get Thor Ragnarok on the second. Right. Mm-hmm. When does Justice League come out? November seventeenth. Okay, so just, you know, a week or two after uh, Thor. Then we get Last Jedi in December, like December 15th, right? Then it's Black Panther in February. Yes. And then uh, is it in the Infinity War Part 1 in May? I believe so. Okay, wow. Yeah. So it's a lot of big movies coming in fairly short order yeah and and, and i'm not looking for i am looking forward to every single one of them yeah i am um, too, I am I, too. I, I, i'm i'm hopeful i am so hopeful for justice league i just needed to not disappoint me um you know the, and uh i'm sure of, i i think we're going to see avengers infinity war the first trailer during um star wars i don't think they're going to have a trailer i think if they were going to have a trailer for infinity war in time for thor ragnarok we would have already seen it no i agree um, yeah, there, well, you certainly would have heard some stuff about it, right? Yeah. So I, I think yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to see um, you know, uh, the first trailer release with Star Wars. And so I have purchased my tickets for Star Wars. I have purchased my tickets for Justice League. I have not purchased my tickets for Thor because I'm still not sure if I'm seeing it Friday evening. I'm not seeing it Thursday evening, but I'm not sure if I'm seeing it Friday evening or Saturday morning. But um, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think I'm seeing it Friday afternoon. I think I'm seeing it Friday afternoon. Okay, okay. So, so. So yeah, then the next time you turn into tune into a funny books, you should be able to hear Paul and I talking about Thor Ragnarok. Yes, we're gonna be Ragnarokin. Ragnarokin. We'll talk about the Fenris Wolf, you know, uh, devouring the sun. We're gonna talk about Jormund Gander poisoning Thor. We're gonna talk about Balder being shot with a mistletoe arrow. We're gonna talk about all the all the Ragnaroky kinds of stuff. Yep, 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 yeah. yep, yep, yep. Or not, or not. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. What do you mean? <laughs> I, I don't know that we're gonna see the mistletoe arrow in in the. Uh... The, the, well, then the it's not Ragnarok, Paul. It's not Ragnarok if you if you if you don't if you don't shoot down Balder with a mistletoe arrow. It's not Ragnarok. You can't call it Ragnarok. Well, I'm not saying we won't. I'm just saying it's a possibility that we won't. <laughs> uh, Paul, all of this was foretold by the Norns millennia ago. Mm-hmm. Are you are you casting doubt on 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 the the that which has been foretold? Well, I mean, I just I would like to know how how Hulk played into. Uh... To Thor Ragnarok. Perhaps that is a, a previously untold tale of the Ragnarok. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like you're an unbeliever. I feel like you may be <laughs> unclean and need to be cast out. Oh, maybe perhaps I've been integrated. You, you may have. Demon! I bet <laughs> you you are possessed by a fire giant. <laughs> that seems likely. It seems like uh-huh. my iPod certainly or my iPad certainly is. Um, is, is, is your iPad acting up? You know, so I have, I think, a first-generation iPad Air. 
Um, um, so I guess at this basket. point, it's what, th- four, five years old, maybe? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and I love it. And I, I got to be honest, guys, all I do with it is look at social media and read comic books. It's not like I'm trying to, you know, design comics, you know, write comics or, or do anything fancy on this thing. Um, I don't play games uh, on my iPad or anything like that. But I find that, you know, with the, the release of iOS 11, it is slow as a son of a bitch. Like, even just cruising the internet. Uh, and I don't know how to um, how to remedy that. Uh, you know, they, uh, they buy a new for- iPad. Yeah, they may be forcing <laughs> me into picking up a new iPad soon. Yeah. Um, but it, it feels... if I, I don't like the thought of spending that much money, again, literally, just to look at social media and read comic books. But um, Well, you know... You know, I had an iPad Air, and it it laid down and died on me. It had a uh, a screen issue mm. uh, earlier this summer, and so I bought an iPad Pro, bought the new iPad Pro, and I love my iPad Pro. You saw it when you were here last, right? Yes. And uh, I absolutely love it. But you know, when I bought the iPad Pro, you know, the one of the things I told you is like when iOS 11 comes out, it's going to make this thing, you know, essentially a MacBook in your hands. And boy, I got to tell you, the uh, uh, iOS 11 has made it a much power, much more powerful tool. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and and but you know, conversely, my wife has an iPad uh, Air, and it is it, it's essentially a brick <laughs> with the new iOS. I mean, it is it is running for crap. Oof. You know, and it's just one of the ways that Apple screws you. They screw you, Paul. They screw you at the drive-through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're screwing you blue because you know it's that it's that engineered obsolescence. <laughs> screwing you <Yeah>. blue. <laughs> oh, you're screwing you blue. That is not the show title. Uh, <laughs> or, or is it? Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we should talk about some comic books because we're over halfway into the show and and we haven't mentioned a single comic book, but we're gonna talk about. Four this week, uh-huh. um, starting with Flash number thirty-three. Uh, which is... I, I think what you mean, Paul, is four. Ah, 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 You got to keep the Halloween theme going. Yeah, right? I do, I do, I do. Well, I, I am because we're going to talk about Bats Out of Hell, the new Meatloaf album. Yeah, yeah, Bats Out of Hell. It's 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 uh, yeah. We got the loaf in here. Yeah, he would do anything for love, but he won't do uh-huh. that. But oh, you crazy bitch! I will not do that. I will not. Not not gonna do that. You never go mouth to ass ever. <laughs> well, if you ask Rosario Dawson, sometimes you do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Paul, uh, bats out of out of hell, uh, part one. It takes place right deep in the middle of metal. Um, tell me what you thought. All right, so this is the Flash number 33. Um, this is a tie-in to Dark Knight's Metal, and it, it is, um, you know, as we saw at the end of Metal number three, I think, four? I don't know, the last issue of Metal. Um, we saw that, you know, Superman has traveled to the Dark Multiverse to find Batman, and, um, you know, on, and this is basically what the Justice League is doing while Superman is on his mission to, to find Batman. Well... You know, right now they are dealing. The Justice League is dealing with fighting the the Dark Multiverse Batman, and the, the most recent issue of Dark of uh, Metal was number three. So, just clarifying point. And so, this issue features what is the Flash doing? Um, you know, how does how does the Flash uh, deal with with these um, Dark Batman? Um, he's also got Cyborg with him, and um, 
you see a little bit of all the Justice League. You see Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Aquaman, and The Flash, and they're all kind of dealing with their own different Batman. And you have, uh, basically, The Flash is dealing with Devastator and the Murder Machine. I, I you know, I'm, I'm torn. You know, it's funny because so often in, in, in the history of this podcast, we've in the eight years we've been doing this podcast, we complain about tie-ins that feel like they have nothing to do with the main event. Right. And now we are getting tie-ins that honestly feel like they are integral to the event and i'm torn because i'm like well what if i didn't buy this book would i yeah, know what no, the I hell think... was going on when metal four came out well and i gotta say it is there's so much going on in these metal books mm. you know with uh with the uh the, the little batman spinoffs that we're getting and the you know the core metal book i do i feel like this is this is a key book that i think you wouldn't understand some stuff that's going on yeah, you know, uh, I, I think I think all of this was pretty darn important. But my question is, you know, I haven't read a Flash book in a good long while. You know, uh, Francis Manupol. It's it's what since oh the yeah button. since the button yeah yeah you're right. Um, I haven't read read one in a good long while. Is this the regular creative team? Yes, uh, Joshua Williamson and uh, Howard Porter. Yes. Uh huh. I, I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it did not make me like Barry, and that's my problem with the Flash is that I don't like Barry. Um, but you know, I, it did have me asking questions, you know, because he's he's talking about he, he apologizes to Iris at one point. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have left, yada yada. And Iris apparently killed Thawne. Yeah, uh, I, I was unaware of this. Um, you know, and Barry was apologizing to her, you know, I'll be here for you and Wally, yada, yada. Other Wally, not not the not the uh, pre new 52 Wally. Uh, this would be new 52 Wally he's talking about. But uh, it was almost enough for me to pick up another issue of The Flash. I'm not sure that it is enough, but boy, it sure did go right up to the line because I was like, you know, I like the art on the book. I like the writing on the book. I just don't like Barry Allen. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I, I, I picked up the first couple of issues of this, uh, rebirth run of flash and I enjoyed it. Um, it just kind of, I didn't enjoy it as much as other titles. So I dropped it, but I hop in basically yeah. when it deals with the crossover, like the button, which I enjoyed. And now I enjoyed this issue of bats out of hell. It like Aaron mentioned a ton is happening in this issue. Um, it, it feels like even in metal number three, it feels like, it feels like we are not taking a breath. Um, right. Uh, whenever you pick up a DC metal book or a dark Knights metal book, just know, like, there's no time for, for stopping and thinking. It's, it's just going to keep rolling. Um, and that's how this book felt. Like, it is just sequence. I mean, action sequence after action sequence after action sequence. And bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. Uh, there's no, like, you know, the, the moments in which Barry Allen stops and, you know, sees Iris and, and apologizes is, like, one frame or one cell. And um, panel. Wow. I, I haven't been reading comics for 40 years. One panel. Um, <laughs> and and after that, like immediately, we're back into the action. Um, so I, I have enjoyed it. I, I am going to pick up Justice League uh, 32, which is the next part, um, written by Robert Venditti with art by Liam Sharp, who I'm a big fan of. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, the, to, to seeing how the sequence plays out. And I think partially some of these tie-ins are as a result of ensuring that Greg Capullo has enough time to produce each issue of metal. Um, so I think some of the, I think that's some of this. I think it's padding, but I think it is padding that is well written and um, it, it feels integral to the storyline. 
One of the reasons that I jumped out of Flash was, uh, beyond the fact that I just really don't much care for Barry, was that I did not care for the artwork. And I know that this is this is heresy to you, Paul. I did not care for the artwork by Francis Manupol. Wow. Uh, and and I, don't get me wrong. I like him a great deal. I, you know, I think he did some Superboy work back when Jeff Johns was on the title. Yes. Um, and you know, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed his art elsewhere. I did not enjoy his art on the flash. However, he drew this week's Batman, the merciless, also a dark Knights metal tie in. And it's a gorgeous book. Um, I don't recall that I've ever seen Francis Manupol draw in such a dark style. And that's always, that's, was my issue with the flash is I didn't care for, Yes, Flash is a brighter book. Flash is generally a more hopeful, optimistic character, but it almost seemed Sunday morning funny. Uh, Sunday morning funnies bright to me, mm-hmm. um, and this is so dark, so moody. And I'm not talking about the coloring. I'm not talking about the, the the colors on the page. I'm talking about the way he's designed the panels, the way he's drawing the characters. Um, there is so much atmosphere in this book. It is just a gorgeous book i agree and written by pete tomasi yeah i i I was again i (laughs) all of my fears have been allayed to date on these you know batman breakout books because you know i just to recap for for those who have forgotten this dark association of batman batmen who have come from uh the negative universe are all Batman who have taken on the mantle of other members of the Justice League. Mm -hmm. So last week we talked about Batman the Drowned, where he became essentially an Atlantean. Uh, And I said he, it should be she, Bryce Wayne, uh, surgically altered herself to uh, take on the the powers of an Aquaman. Um, You know, we had the, you know, uh, Batman Red Metal Death, who took on the powers of the Flash. And, you know, Batman, the murder machine who took on the powers of Cyborg and each one of them's got a different origin. And each time this has happened, you know, we, we, we talked about at the at the outset that I was concerned that all of these origin stories would look alike. And I got to tell you, they they have they have more than allayed those fears because each one of these is so unique, so interesting, so out of the box uh, you know, he he becomes you see Wonder Woman on his chest, not that he has taken Wonder Woman's powers in this book, but that he's honoring Wonder Woman. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he wears the, the Wonder Woman symbol on his chest because he's honoring Wonder Woman for something horrible that, that we found out he did. We thought that she had just died in the war with Ares, but we find out something much more terrible at the end of the book. Which I'm, I gotta be honest, Aaron, I, I'm, I'm calling shenanigans on it. Okay. <laughs> because I understand that, you know, at the end of the book, you find out that, you know, at the beginning of the book, you are belie- you are to believe that Bruce Wayne picked up Ares' helmet, became the god of war, in order to avenge the death of Wonder Woman, and at the end, you find out, um, no, she wasn't actually dead, she was just stunned, um, and she, she tried to take the helmet from him to, you know, to, to help him, and he, he, he ended up striking her down and killing her. Right. And I gotta be honest... The world's greatest detective couldn't tell the difference between stunned and dead. Fair point. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> come on. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I appreciate, you know, when the, I, I get the emotional impact they were going for that, the shock that they were going for that, because it sounded like it hit you that way. Like, oh, yeah. oh, and it, it, it did. Yeah. For a and then I was like, wait, 
How could he not tell that she wasn't dead? Yeah. <laughs> He's Batman. Like, you didn't check a pulse before you, you lost your shit? <laughs> yeah. I, it's a beautiful book. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And I, I will say, not nearly as dark, despite that dark element that, you know, he murdered Diana, uh, not nearly as dark as some of the other uh, uh, metal tie-in books. Yeah, certainly not as dark as uh, the, the, the Drowned. The Drowned, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> 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 well, continuing the Batman thread, let's talk about this week's Detective Comics number 967, which is A Lonely Place of Living, Chapter 3. Um, you know, at the at the end of Chapter 2... We heard we we caught a name drop. You know, yeah. the older Tim Drake name dropped Connor Kent, and uh, you know though that is just passingly referenced in 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 these pages, we see Tim Drake return to um to his group, and you know this week I said Aaron, you and I need to talk about something in reference to this week's um, Detective Comics, and I was like I'll wait till you read it and we can talk about it on the show. Now that you've read it, I can say the Gotham Knights. I'm just saying. <laughs> what are you just saying, Paul? I'm just saying we had a certain Knights superhero team established multiple uh-huh. years ago. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And now we have the Gotham Knights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Are you, are, do you feel like there might be some shenanigans here, Paul? I feel like there might be some shenanigans in play. <laughs> well, I'll get our attorneys on it immediately. Yeah, you do that. Okay. So, uh... You know, Tim Drake shows up, you know, uh, evil adult Tim Drake, not uh, not uh, current Tim Drake. And, you know, he shows up and hijacks the Batcave and activates a little program that Bruce has been working on that hasn't been revealed in the New 52. But we, we are certainly familiar with it from the days prior to the New 52. He's activated the OMAC program. Yeah, and so I well, you know, of course, Omac is a is a great name drop. I'm 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 trying to figure out: Are we dealing with is this a new iter? Like, is have we retconned the previous Omac out that includes Identity Crisis and Infinite Crisis? I can't imagine that we could because we have, you know, the you know the Monitor's Key in the pages of of Metal. So is this a yeah. now a new um, Omac? Or I, I mean, I'm sure we'll find out in the next issue, but. I think I think this is a, a new appearance for Brother Eye in uh, or Brother in the page. Yeah, I sorry. Yeah, oh, I, I I think I think it's a new appearance. I think that that we are not. I think that the new fifty two characters are not familiar with Brother Eye. Okay. I think yeah you know, because there are elements that are pre- particularly in the in the Batman continuity that are true they, they, that carried over from uh, pre New fifty two right. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Brother I did. Because if you have Brother I, that means Wonder Woman killed Max Lord. And Max Lord doesn't appear to have ever been murdered by Wonder Woman in the New 52. Mm, you make a point. Um, so I, it's convoluted. You know, you, 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 I, we will find out next issue. But based on, on how I read the book, I think Brother I is a new reveal for these characters. Okay. Well, and so with that in mind... Um... I, 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 I am hopeful that a writer such as James Tinian the Fourth will not get us the same story that we've already seen in relation to Brother Eye. Yeah. Um I that is a concern of mine. I don't get me wrong, I enjoyed this book. The appearance of Brother Eye is my concern. Uh, so I have a question for you, Paul. Yes. Uh you know, 
you said earlier, you know, 40 years of comic book reading, you'd think I'd know how to, you know, uh, (laughs) reference terminology in the comic book. And, you know, you and I have been reading for a number of years. Um, I do you have a sense of how long the usual reader stays in comics? You know, because I I wonder and I'm sure the guys at Marvel and DC know this, you know, how how frequently can you cycle these stories? Because I'm like, God, didn't we just do Brother Eye? Well, no, it's been you know, 10 years. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder how long uh, how long they have to let some of that stuff lay fallow before they can come back to it and retell that same story. That's a good question. That is a very good you question. Know? Yeah, because, I mean, to your point, yeah, I guess it has been almost, I mean, 10 years. 10 years doesn't seem like a long time, but, I mean, the Brother <laughs> thing was so prevalent. Right. Uh, you know, it's not like it was just a, a minor storyline. It was well, so it, prevalent. And it, well, it was a huge turn for those characters at that time, yeah. right? I mean, you know, uh, you know, Superman became, you know, disheartened. Uh, you know, Wonder Woman, you know, killed Max Lord in front of everyone because uh, it was broadcast across the world. Um, you know, it was it was it was a big event, particularly for the big three, but also for the remainder of the of the uh, DC universe. You know, it didn't just affect Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman. It affected everybody. Yeah. Uh, and it you know, it, it fed those the stories that rolled out of that. So I just kind of wonder you know, uh, and it, the thing that I find interesting about it is that interpretation of Brother I is a much different interpretation from the original concept, just like OMAC is a much different ter- interpretation from the original concept. Both concepts cr- created by Jack Kirby back in the 70s, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I just kind of wonder how long those things have to, you know, the, 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 do they have a, a, a book? You know, a, a, a date book sitting there going, OK, well, we haven't told the story in eight years. It's time. You know, I wonder what that cycle is. It's a good I question. bet I can find that somewhere. I'm going to go I'm going to go out looking for that. You know what I'm going to do, Paul? I'm inspired by what we've done over on uh, Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. I'm going to do some research. What? I, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's going to happen. All right. You do that. And by research, I mean, I'm going to Google it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. So, Paul. Yes. Action Comics. Yes. 990. That's, uh, you know, Lois Lane's father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Kind of a dick. Yeah. Kind of a dick. I am going to I'm going to guess that Lois probably doesn't want to go to Jarrell's house for Thanksgiving this year. I don't know. I think they still have a month to turn it around. Uh, maybe. Maybe. So, Paul, what would you think about uh, Action Comics number 990? You know, we are 10 10 issues away from the big 1000. Yes. And so, you know, I was reading that I think there are going to be two different versions of Action Comics number 1000. One's going to be an oversized hardcover edition. One's going to be um, a more, uh, you know, slender edition. Uh, but I, I believe they have, um, you know, there's some overlapping content, but the, the deluxe hardcover has more significant content. Regardless, expect issue 1000 to not be a $3 book. Um but I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. It, clearly, we're building towards something, and uh, you know, it coinciding with the Oz effect and Doomsday Clock and all that stuff. It, it is for as long as it was a bad time to be a Superman fan. It is now a good time to be a Superman fan. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. All kinds of great stuff going on in the Superman world. Uh, you know, I don't know that he would say, I don't know that Kal-El would say that there's a bunch of great stuff going on in the no. Superman world right now, but I certainly would because his pain is my pleasure. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Because, because I believe Freddie Mercury said pain is so close to pleasure. I, I believe he did. Yeah. I don't know that Superman would agree. Um, but, <laughs> you know, looking at this book, you know, so this is the Oz effect number four. And what has happened is that Oz has sown the seeds of hatred throughout the world. And now, you know, the this this country, um, Logamba, you know, the, the rebels and, and the government are, are at war. And Superman um, has basically has interjected himself into that war uh, and, and called and, and enforced a mandatory ceasefire. He's taken all their weapons. He's destroyed them all. And he's basically said, you guys solve it. Um, which is, you know, I, I found I had a, a bit of a qualm with that because it's huh. it's it's a level of um, involvement that we we haven't seen in Superman. Right. He, he's always said, I can't get involved in those things. I shouldn't say always. He for a long time. He has he has done right. that, um, you know, to, to a certain extent, even uh, the, the, the J. Michael Straczynski book where Superman interjected himself in that kind of thing that that backfired on him. And I'm sure it'll backfire here. But it was interesting to see him act in that form of in that type of character written by Dan Jurgens because for the longest time, like I said, Superman has been like, I, I can't stop wars. Like I, that's not, you know, the, the people have to learn for themselves. And, and I think we, we saw him step over that line here. Yeah. Well, and maybe because somebody claiming to be his father has engineered this stuff. And so he feels a level of responsibility. Oh, that's a fair point. Yeah. But you know, uh, in this book, Jarrell, you know, fully reveals himself not only to uh, to Clark, but also to Lois. So this is the first time Lois is is fully up to speed on what the hell's going on. And Jarrell's saying, "Look, you know, there is an entity out there that is about to render judgment on this entire planet. He outstrips my powers. He outstrips your powers." We've got to leave human leave humanity to its own th own ends because humanity's terrible. Except for you, Lois, you're pretty cool. Yeah. And you know, Lois, John, Kalel, let's all get the f out of here. And John, who has spent the last issue, you know, learning who his grandfather is, quote grandfather, um, is you know down for that. Yeah, let's go. We got we got to go. You know, and he he's like you know he's telling uh, Lois and Clark, you know, we we, we really should go. G Gumpy, you know, is saying that we got to get out of here. <laughs> you know. Gumpajor, and uh, uh, what the thing that I that bothers me about this, and I told you Paul when we were putting the notes together, my like, I got some words about this one. The thing that bothers me about it is that yeah, you know, I think most kids, you know, you hear shit's about to go down, we all need to get out of here. But I think you, I think most kids, and certainly a kid who is aspiring to be a superhero and to help would at least, at a minimum, say, but what about my best friend? At no point does Jonathan say, what about Damien? What about, what about this guy who is human? And yeah, he's a, little, he's a little sketchy and hard to get along with, but I do really like him. He is my friend, and I'm helping him be a better person. What about him? And we never see that from John in, in this book, and that really bothered me. Well, yet, right? I mean, it, it's possible that when... No. Wait, this is it, Paul. This this <laughs> is the judgment point right here, right now. And perhaps when the conversation does happen, 
you know, when when they're ready to leave, he's going to say, "Hey, let, let me pick up Damien on the way out." I, I I would be shocked if 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 we see. And don't get me wrong, that's I think yeah, the fact that Jonathan's a kid and you know, susceptible to to Cal, um, Jor-El's quote unquote Gumpa Gumpa Jor <laughs> Gumpa Jor, um, you know, uh, you know, as persuasive ways. I mean, he's a kid, but I, I to your point, yeah, it, it didn't occur to me that he hadn't mentioned uh, Damien yet, but I. I I would be shocked if we don't see that reference at some point. I just, I, I just don't think that he should be all in on this. He should be, you know, saying to to, to, to Grandpa George, you know, to, to Papa, you know, yeah. uh, Pappy, Pappy, as it were. Hey, Pappy L, we got we got to swing by Gotham and pick up my good friend Damien. And you know, if we're picking up Damien, he's going to want to pick up his dad. So we need to get, uh, you know, the Batman. And if we're getting the if we're getting those guys, we probably also need to pick up. Uh, you know, we'll need crypto, obviously, on our side, but we're going to need to get you know Ace the Bat Dog and the Bat Cow and Bat Kitty. You know, yeah. we're going to need to get all of those. Mm-hmm. So you know, I hope I hope you've got something larger than the rocket you sent my father here from the Dying Planet Krypton. That's all. <laughs> I hope I hope you have perfected that in the last thirty years. Yeah. Have you have you perfected your uh, your 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 saving uh, you know people technology because uh, you know we, we need to, we need to fill it up. <laughs> yeah, there's also that little girl across the pasture that I like. I need to I need to include her, and she'll probably want to bring her grandpa, even though he's a little sketchy. Um, you know, <laughs> he's an alien. <laughs> So I, I liked Action Comics. I'm really I'm really grooving to this storyline. Uh, I'm super excited about Doomsday Clock. And I got to tell you, Action Comics and Detective Comics are really scratching my itch, Paul. Yeah. I I it has been a long time since I have enjoyed comics as much as I have enjoyed Detective and Action uh, lately. Um, I, I I read them immediately. They're my first read. Um, this storyline is just fantastic. And having, you know, Dan Jurgens writing Superman, you know, we said this after Convergence that that was our dream state, right? That was that that was our ideal world was Dan Jurgens back on uh, Superman. And it has not disappointed. No, it is not disappointed. Uh, the only thing that I can fi- say disappointing is when we've had, uh, you know, filler issues. Yeah, but um, even then they've been pretty solid, except, yeah. uh, you know. And I can't remember if the 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 the, the trip to uh, you know Washington and the other monuments was. Uh, I think that was, was Action Tomasi, and I think that was, was Superman. It? Okay, okay, I, I couldn't remember which one that was, but uh, that, really, that's the that's the disappointing storyline that has uh, stood out in recent memory. But the rest of the stuff has just been fantastic. Well, and speaking of Pete Tomasi, next week's books includes the new issue of Superman, as well as the new issue of Batman. Uh, you know, Batman uh, continuing uh, the storyline where Batman and Catwoman are confronting Talia al Ghul, I guess perhaps about their engagement. Um, also from DC Comics, we get Batman the Devastator. Devastator! Uh, featuring the Batman Doomsday mashup. This one's written by Frank Thierry with art by Tony Daniel. Um, so that should be a, a pretty book. Uh, also next week, speaking of pretty books, Batman White Knight written and drawn by Sean Murphy. Uh, we, we enjoyed issue one enough to give issue two a shot, I think. So um, that one comes out next week. And uh, also in the category of pretty books, next week in Marvel Legacy, Captain America number 695, written by Mark Wade, drawn by Chris Somney, uh, the new Legacy creative team on Captain America. I am so down for that. I will also be picking up Guardians of the Galaxy issue 146, uh, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Marcus Toe. 
um, because it is called Infinity Quest Part One: The Guardians Hunt for the Infinity Stones begins. Mm. Yeah, I kind of have to. I mean, I, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to the Infinity Stones, I feel like Marvel is building up to another Infinity Gauntlet-related crossover. Um, in time for the Infinity War movie next year, that's they always seem to have some type of tie-in to their larger scale films. Uh, I feel like that's what we're gonna see now. We're gonna see a build-up to a new Infinity War, Infinity Gauntlet. Kind of to our point earlier in the podcast, the law of uh, how long does it take till you have to reboot a storyline? I right. feel like we're about to see it in the pages of Marvel. I feel we're gonna see you know the Infinity Gauntlet come back in. Um, it's been hinted at in the Thor book, and now we're dealing with it directly in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and also from Marvel Comics, a couple of Star Wars related books. Darth Vader number seven comes out. We talked about issue six, I think, on the podcast um, because it deals very heavily with the uh, um, storyline set up in Star Wars Rebels with the uh, Emperor's Inquisition uh-huh. or the Inquisitors. Um, so you'll see Darth Vader training with the Inquisitors in the pages of Darth Vader number seven. And Star Wars number 38 continue, uh, is the start of the new creative team on that book. Uh, Kieran Gillen and Salvador LaRocca, who were the creative team on the, Dar- the Darth Vader book, take over uh, Star Wars with uh, Star Wars number 38 next week. Very good. Exciting week coming up for comics. Yes. And even with all those comics coming out, we will be talking about Thor Ragnarok because that comes out next Friday. Yeah, we'll be Ragnarok in that. Plus, later in the week, Star Trek Discovery with Aaron and Polly, where we're talking about, oh, I think it's episode seven. Yes. Yeah, and I, can you believe we're already seven in? I know, only two, three incredible. more episodes until, uh, well, by the time you guys are listening to this, two more episodes until uh, high, the, break. You know, about the break. Yeah, crazy stuff. Well, Paul, I guess I'll uh, talk to you in a couple of days for Star Trek Discovery, and then next week back here for our special Ragnarok report, in which you'll learn that uh, Balder has been uh, shot down with a mistletoe arrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. And, you know, that, that Garm has eaten the moon and that Fenris will have eaten the sun. Any day now. Hard, hard times. Hard times. <laughs> hard times ahead for Thor. <laughs> but it's all, but, you know, that, that cy- it's a cycle, Paul. It's a cycle. We'll just all get recreated again. You know, the first man, the first woman will be born again. And, and we'll, we'll, it, it all happened before. It'll all happen again. <laughs> exactly. Just like the silence. Uh, yeah, I, exactly. Exactly. You know, Norse mythology, silence, it's all the same. And... Another episode of Funny Books next week. Mm. Catch you guys later. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>